0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. I pray right now that your words would just reach us this morning, reach our hearts. I pray right now that we would just listen to your words and understand what you are trying to tell us this morning. And just thank you so much for what you've done in our lives and continue to do every day in our lives. In your name, we pray, Amen. My name is Ian. If you do not know me, I am one of the pastors here at FBC. And I'd just like to say hello. If you're new here, hello. And if you're watching online and you're new or not new, hello. So got the highs out of the way. Um, this morning we're going to be reading John 13, verse 18 through 30. So if you'd like to open your Bibles to there. Have you ever felt betrayed in your life by someone? Probably some of it, I mean, we all have at some point in our life felt that betrayal through relationships, family, work situations, or many other instances we have gone through. So what I want you to do is imagine right now that feeling, when you know that gut-wrenching feeling that you're feeling when you feel betrayal. Sometimes we forget that Jesus Christ felt that pain just the same as you and me. And I would actually go as far to say that Jesus Christ knows it even better because he took the burden of all of our sins. And he knows the feeling. Jesus was betrayed by Judas in a way that led him to die on the cross. And Jesus, knowing the feeling of that betrayal, just like you and me. But the difference is, is that Jesus chose to bring Judas in closely, rather than push him away, possibly like some of us would do if we feel like someone was betraying us. So when we hear the name of Judas, what do you think of? A traitor? A liar? A fraud? We can continue to come up with words for how to describe Judas, but one of the biggest focuses this morning is that we see that this is the man who betrays Jesus Christ. The devil was able to use situations in Judas's life to slowly alter his mindset and to slowly change his mind to ultimately betray Jesus. The betrayal itself was not actually an act of violence, but instead an act of affection. So, wrongly motivated affection through the devil, through a sign of a friendship with a kiss. So we all have weaknesses, and the devil will exploit those weaknesses in our lives. If you remember in John 12, we had a meal take place where Mary washes the feet of Jesus with an expensive perfume. And now we have another meal taking place, and we just learned last week of another foot washing, but this time it was from the Master, Jesus Christ himself. They're sitting together having this meal as they have done in the past. They have been together for a few years now. And as you can imagine, that this meal is kind of like a reoccurring thing, okay? They're celebrating, they're beginning to celebrate the Passover. This is something that is celebrated every year. And the disciples are kind of used to at this point, hanging out with Jesus, sitting and having a meal, sitting and having that fellowship with Jesus Christ, But this meal is going to be different. So although they're sitting there, and although the discussions may be the same, they're kind of like, we just had dinner the other day. We did this last year. We're kind of used to the routine. Let's talk about what Peter's doing. Let's talk about the jokes. Let's talk about what's going on. But this time it's different. First, Jesus decides to wash the feet. And if we remember, Peter's kind of taken aback by this. And now we're all sitting, they're all sitting at the table, and you can imagine that it's just a little bit different. It's a little bit confusing. The disciples are like, what's going on? Why are, we, why are we doing a little bit different? But this meal, Jesus is going to express more than he used to. So meals mean something, don't they? Today, we have the ability to go to fast food. We have the ability to just get, get in and out. Like, well, literally, you can go to in and out. But, I mean, you can, get, you can get in and out of a place... And get food. You don't need to spend too much time. You can just go grab it and go. I don't know if they had, like, bring your donkey to a window and drive through. But we have that ability. But when you invite somebody to a meal, when you say, hey, would you like to come to my house for dinner? Would you like to spend some time with me? That's more intimate, that's more meaningful. Because you are willing to bring them into your house. You are willing to bring them into you. And during that meal, this fellowship takes place. This morning, I would like to begin in John 13, 16. Because I believe that it helps set up this time of fellowship that they are having together. It says, Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me, the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So we start this morning with this intimate setting. They are sitting together. They are conversating. They are fellowshipping with one another. But Jesus is now laying down some heavy thought for the disciples to think about. Because Jesus knows that his time is coming. Jesus knows that it's time for him to... Just give them a little extra. Say the things that need to be said. And then through this conversation, Jesus hits them with this whammy in verse 18 when he says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. So now this dinner conversation, this lighthearted possibly just hang out, have time, fellowship, enjoy the evening, has now turned a little bit more serious. So imagine sitting around this table and listening to Jesus Christ, and he's telling you, through this conversation, he's telling you this, and he says this. I can only imagine the disciples kind of just looking around. There's only 12 of them sitting there. Looking around going, who's he talking about? We've all been here together. We've all been here this last few years. We've continued to walk we're hanging out. We fully and faithfully follow Jesus Christ, and now these are the elite, this is the 12. So why would Jesus not be referring to all of them? They might be thinking. I want you to remember this morning that your sin and your life can be hidden by you. You can easily put on a face, you can easily smile, you can easily walk into a room, and act in a way to show people that there's nothing wrong with you in your life. And I believe that's what Judas was doing. He might have had some internal things going on in his mind, but he can easily walk into the room with the other disciples and look just as fully hearted as them. So that's why they're looking around confused. Who is it? We're all the same. We're all the same in this. But Jesus, in knowing this, knows the desires of your heart, also knows the feeling of betrayal, and he also knows that he's going to be betrayed. So Jesus, knowing the full weight of this situation, feels that gut feeling. Remember I said at the beginning, like, remember that feeling? That's what Jesus felt, that gut-wrenching feeling in his life, because Judas was about to, per- to betray him. In John 13, too, it says, the evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So here we have Jesus already knowing full well that someone is going to betray him. And he says it out loud. He says this while Judas is sitting there at the table with them. And Judas is already walking down the path where his mind is slowly making these subtle changes to betray Jesus. The temptation had already entered Judas. Throughout our life, the devil will speak into your life and tempt you and exploit the weakness that you have to cause you to stumble or fall in their path. So now I'm not 100% sure that this temptation that Judas has was all based on money. But I can say that previously in John 12, 4, when Judas questioned Mary about the nard, which was poured on Jesus' feet, He, at that moment, did not see the service that was taking place in Mary to serve the Lord. Instead, he saw the value of the perfume and questioned it. And and later, if we read Matthew 26, 15, and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? When Judas is talking to the chief priests to turn over Jesus. And they, they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. So now we have these two elements from Judas showing that he is somewhat driven by money. And like I said, he's, I'm not 100% sure that this is all that was taking place in his mind, but I can say that Judas desires money. That's one of his things. The devil is going to use those things in your life that you find important, that you find value in, that you find interesting, and help, use those to turn you away from God, even though while you were in the situation, it could look comforting and desirable. This is what the devil does. He deceives us. When you go into a situation, it's not going to, I mean, there's going to be situations that obviously are going to look bad in your life, and you're going to be like, eh, shouldn't do it. But a lot of the time, what the devil does, he makes it look enticing. He makes it look fun. He wants you to want it. That's how he steers you away. So the devil knows this through the situations in the life of Judas, is starting to manipulate little things every day through various events in order to slowly guide Judas off path. In John 8:42 to45, it says, "Jesus said to them, if, I, "If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come out of my own, on my own. God sent me." Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He is a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks in his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. So this is the manipulation that the devil uses in our lives to change these small things so that all of a sudden the big picture, you don't see the big picture, and when you do, you realize it's something you didn't want. But all these small changes slowly are guiding you away in a completely different direction. In verse 2, we know the devil prompted Jesus to... Judas... Yeah, those are confusing. This whole time is... I want to say the right word. Not Judas, Jesus. Okay. But the devil prompted Judas to betray Jesus. And what took place in his motivation is not 100% sure. But the devil definitely used that money, knowing that Judas had that desire and used it to start just manipulating him. But another thing we can see is that these small situations in Judas' life, although it are manipulating him, they led him to make up his mind, and no one else at the table knows this because we can hide our sin, right? We can act normal to anyone else. We can go into a room and act as if we are completely fine. So the conversation taking place is open to everybody, and the disciples are confused, but I also think that there was a conversation between Judas and Jesus because, Judas, because Jesus knows the desires of Judas's heart and is telling him. The devil desires you to be separated from God and will use the situations in your life to bring you further from God and that's the mindset that Judas has and his mindset has changed. But Jesus also knows the desires of your heart and knows when you are going to betray him. So can you imagine this feeling that Jesus has right now? Just imagine this feeling knowing that Judas is going to betray him and he's talking and he's saying one of you is going to betray me. And this whole situation is taking place, that feeling that Jesus has. Because I think we seem to forget sometimes the feeling the Lord has. When Jesus Christ was walking, we forget that he felt what we felt, the pain that we feel, the heartbreak that we feel, Jesus felt. So that gut-wrenching feeling, I can imagine that Jesus is just "Mm," feeling it right now. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like the person talking to you is talking directly to you, but they're talking like to the whole group? And you just you're like, Oh, you didn't say my name, but it's that's me. Or in a situation you're somebody saying, This person did this and they're in trouble, and this is what's going on, and you just slowly sink in your seat because you feel like all eyes are on you, even though nobody's looking at you. That weird feeling. That's the feeling I, th- I feel that Judas has right now, because I think Judas kind of just is like, I'm not, I'm not right with God, and I know that what he's saying, and I think he's just feeling that torment. So here's, another, here's a couple examples for you, for this personal convert like this one-on-one conversation among the group. In verse 18, it says, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen where I feel Judas now is hearing Jesus saying, okay, he's saying not all of us, and I'm thinking this way. And then again, in verse 21, he said, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And if we look back from last week when it says, in verse 10, when Jesus says, and you are clean, though not every one of you. So I, I kind of just get this mental image of Jesus just kind of like, bah, bah, Judas. And just slowly is just like, Judas, without saying the word Judas. And I think at this point, Judas is kind of feeling smaller and smaller. Like, feels like the room is just tightening up around him. And just that sense of just knowing that he is doing wrong in his life. Because when you're about to do something wrong, we've all had that feeling. When you know you're doing wrong, you feel it in your heart. You know. Nobody else may know. You might be not around anybody else, but you know that you're doing wrong. You know that feeling in your heart. For Judas, it was money, was a contributing factor to that led him away from Christ. But for you, you could be sitting here this morning saying, I don't have a problem with money. I'm good. But it could be anything. It could be anything in your life that you value more than Jesus Christ that steers you away from him. The question this morning is, if you're sitting here going, not money, not, that's not a big thing to me. The question is, can you identify what it is in your life that you value more? Because God knows the desires of your heart. But unfortunately, the devil does too. And the devil knows what you value in the world and we'll slowly start to manipulate that in your life, and we'll slowly start to say, "Hey, this looks more enticing than Christ." Let's start doing this, little bit by little bit. Let's start doing this. In John thirteen twenty-two through twenty-four, as we continue, it says his disciples stared at one another, at a loss for which of him he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned to this disciple and said, "Hey." ask him which one he means. I can just imagine just that little, hey, ask him which one he means. So now we're in this room, and this vibe has completely changed. You go from this fellowship, this time of just maybe joking around, having fun, smiling, enjoying a meal, and this whole situation has taken a turn, and now everyone's confused, and now they just wanna know. And in verse 25, they ask, Lord, who is it? See, the disciples are confused because from their viewpoint, everyone in that room is a follower of Christ. Everyone in that room has given their life in service to Christ. But Judas is a little little bit different. Because although he did leave everything in his life to follow Christ, just like all of them did, in his mind, there was this one thing he was holding on to. And money was manipulating him. And the desire of money in his life was manipulating him. Back in 12, John 12, 3 through 6, I think that's where we can start to see this mental shift in Judas. Because when he could not see the perfume, when he could not see what the perfume represented to Mary, and he just looked at the value of that, I think that that's where this... Like, one of the clicking moments where he just started getting guided away from God. In John twelve four, when it says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, was later who was later to betray him, objected. And through that objection of what the perfume was, we see that there was a disconnect between him living a life with Christ and him living life in the world. So now, as I stated before, I don't know that everything Judas was thinking about to lead him down this path. But I do know money was one piece that helped push him over the edge. So the devil manipulates people by using the thing that they find value in and makes the small, subtle changes in your life to change your mindset without you seeing the big picture. And over the course of time the devil will guide you away from God, slowly. And like I said, you might be sitting here this morning saying, that's not going to affect me, that money's not an issue. But I want to truly ask you, because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, can you identify in your life what that trigger is? Can you identify in your life what the devil can use against you to slowly move you away from Christ? There's a rule it's the one in 60 rule, and it's talking about aviation, but I think it applies here. But it says for one degree, just one degree off course in your whole trajectory, for every 60 miles traveled, that is one mile off course, for this, if you just go one degree. So what happens if we do that in our life? The further you travel, the further you become from your destination, obviously, right, if you just slowly veer off, you will always continue to veer off. So the further you travel from God, the further you will end up from your destination that God wants with you and the relationship you have with him. See, God is a relationship. Having Jesus Christ in your life is a relationship. When I walk with my wife, we hold hands sometimes. But we also talk, we hang out. We're not walking separate, but we have that connection. When you walk with a friend, you're walking next to them. You have a connection. You're walking with them. But when you apply this rule, things start to change. Using that one degree, if, you're if you walk 100 yards, one degree off course, you'd be off by 5.2 feet. Not a big deal, right? Doesn't look that big, you're, okay. My friend's now standing over here. I can still talk. I can still hang out. We're still having a conversation. We're not holding hands anymore. I mean, unless you got really long arms. But you're still there, so you think you're good. We're golden. You're right here. Let's go further. After a mile, you'll be off by 92 feet. Now one degree is starting to make a little bit of a difference. If you're in school, you you can see Jesus across the courtyard. If you're in the parking lot at the supermarket, you can see Jesus at the end of the parking lot. You're like, hey, I can't hear you anymore. I can't talk to you anymore. I can yell, but I still see you. So I'm good. And that's what it is, that that slow separation. Because now you're like, no, we're still in the same environment. We're good. I see Jesus over there. I'm good. I can't speak to him, but I'm good. And you start denying yourself that. All right. If you were to fly around the equator in one circle, by the time you hit your starting point, if you were one degree off course, you'd be almost 500 miles away from your starting point. So the longer you go in your life, the longer you walk in your life with Jesus and allow the devil to slowly manipulate you further and further away by just one degree because that's what the devil does. He says, hey, just, just come here. It's not a big change right away. It's just that one degree of change. When you get all the way around and you take that long course of action, that lifestyle that you have, One day, you're gonna wake up and Jesus is no longer even with you. You can't see him, you can't hear him. Not texting him, you're not FaceTiming. He's no longer here. To put it in perspective, if you were to leave Benicia right now, about 500 miles away is when you'd hit San Diego. That's how far that one degree can do in your life. That's how far, if you don't keep it on track, that you can veer off. The devil will take the small changes in your life to do that to you. If you knew 100% that the person in your life was going to betray you, if you knew 100% the person that you're talking to right now is going to let you down, would you let them in your life? Most likely not, right? You're like, nope. It's a waste of my time. If you knew 100% that someone was slowly gonna change your mindset, slowly gonna change your thought process to something you don't recognize in your own self and choose to make bad decisions, would you allow that person in your life? I'd say probably not. There's a lot of things in our life that we'd say, if I knew that about you, I would have never hung out with you. See, the problem is, the devil doesn't look bad in those small situations. The devil takes a little here, takes a little there, takes a little of your time here, takes a little bit of your mindset there, asks you to do one little task, that's not a big deal, and eventually you just, you're gone. You just realize, I've traveled so far, I'm gone. And if you knew that about someone in your life, you'd say, I'm done. I don't even want to talk to you. But that's the difference between us and Jesus. Because Jesus does this for all of us. Jesus says, come join me at my table. I know you're going to betray me. I know you're going to let me down, and I know that you're going to do things in my in your life that dis, that that put me in a position to feel that gut-wrenching feeling. But instead of pushing you away, Jesus says, sit at my table. Sit with me. Because Jesus loves you and wants to see the truth, even if that means that Jesus has to die for your sins. So Jesus knows the small decisions in our life that we make that will ultimately lead us to betray him. But he doesn't leave our side. That's the great thing about Christ. Because when you're hanging out in Benicia, and he's over in San Diego now because you've walked so far away from him, that 500 miles of distance, the moment you say, Jesus, I'm sorry, and I want you in my life. Jesus is right here. He never left. He's right here. And you can have that connection again. But the reason why this happens is because Jesus loves you. So even even though Jesus was going to be betrayed by Judas, he wanted him close. Jesus wants you to have as much exposure to him in your life that no matter what, you can just hear him and be with him that much longer. Even if the cost is his life on the cross. Now even after all this time to us sitting here now, Jesus still feels the same way. He still died on the cross with outstretched outstretched arms for you and your sin. So Jesus knew this about Judas and kept him close. And that's what Jesus wants to do with you. Sometimes we forget that Jesus was the perfect man. He lived a life sinless in order to be perfect and holy sacrifice to die on the cross for your life. And because of this life, that love, that the life of love that Jesus has for us, Jesus is perfect. So this perfect love is also for Judas, even though he was going to betray him. Even though Judas even though Jesus knew that Jesus was going to do this, he felt perfect love for Judas because he loves him. So when you are sitting in this room, when you are sitting at your house, when you are sitting somewhere and you think that you are not good enough for Christ, that you are not good enough and the sin in your life is too much for him, remember that Jesus Christ already died and paid for your sins. Because here's the thing, when you feel that gut-wrenching feeling, when you feel that hate, that heartache, when you feel that just feeling of just sorrow, Jesus felt it too. But the difference is, there's a reason why it overwhelms you, because you can't handle it. You can't handle that sin in your life. Jesus could. Jesus is able to handle it. That's why he died on the cross, for your sins, because he was able to take it from you. So when you're sitting here today thinking that you've done too much, Jesus already paid for that. And he already has paid with his life to say, I still want you close. I still want you here. I still want you in my life. I still want you to sit at my table. Continue in John 13, verse 26-30. When Jesus answered, "It is to the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish." Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him, and Jesus told him, "What you are about to do, do quickly." But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him, since Judas had charge of the money. They some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival, or to give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. night. So we have this exchange of words and this heavy conversation now with the disciples, and especially between Judas and Jesus. And now we have Judas leave. And I feel partially because of that weight of that room closing in on him. Because it says in verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. Because Jesus knew what was about to happen anyway. And he also knew that Judas wasn't going to change his mind. And he said, do it quickly. Jesus knew that Judas, in his heart, was going to betray him. Jesus knew that this is why Judas leaves. But I want you to know how much Jesus loves you because I think this explains it. Jesus loves you enough to know through this whole conversation with Judas that he would be betrayed, which would lead him to dying a very painful death on the cross. But through his death, he will rise again, defeat sin and death for your benefit. Jesus loves you so much that he stretched out his arms from a death that you would not rise from alone to protect you from a death in eternity in hell separated from him because you can't carry that burden. He, know, he loves you enough to step in front of you and say, I got this because I know you can't do it on your own. He, know, he knew already that you were unable to do it on your own, so he wants you to come sit with him at the table and join him in fellowship because if you stay close to God in your life, and stay on the path with Him, then you'll be less likely to one day wind up 500 miles away from Him. Because Jesus is the straight line. That one degree of separation is you, not Jesus. So it's you in your life saying that I need you in my life. It's you in your life saying that I've sinned and fall short of your perfection but I need you to fill that gap for me. It's you in your life admitting your faults. It's you in your life finding that thing that you value more than Jesus. This morning we're going to have an opportunity to say that I no longer will follow this path, and instead will choose to follow Jesus Christ in my life. All you need to do is put your faith in him. All you need to do is make a change, and all you need to do is choose in that moment to say, I'm done, and I choose to follow you. If you're sitting here this morning, I encourage you, if you would like to take that step in your life, I encourage that if you're sitting here and you've been a Christian for 30, 20, 40 years, however long, and you realize that you are now off course, I encourage you to think about that this morning. I encourage you to pray this morning about that. And we'll have an opportunity to pray. Romans 3, 22-24 says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption of came by Christ Jesus. See, Judas went too far. Judas continued down this path, until it was too late because he decided not to make that decision. He did come to a point where he realized his decision because he went back and was like, take the money, I don't want it. But at that point, it was inevitable it was going to happen. But it had to happen because Jesus had to sacrifice himself for us. So no matter what you're doing in life, I don't want you to think that you don't have the ability to change. I don't want you to think that I'm too old, can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? I don't want you to think that that's the point in your life because there is no point in your life while you are living this life that you can't choose to change and make a change in your life to follow God. In Luke 23, there was a thief. I'm going to put that water bottle down. There was a thief next to Christ on the cross who spent his whole life assuming his whole life, or a good portion of his life, being bad, sinning in his life, making bad choices, taking that one degree off course to, who knows, he's probably over 500 miles away from Jesus Christ that led him to die on the cross next to Jesus. Luke 23, 40 through 43 says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, We are punished justly, for we are getting what what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He lived his whole life in sin. And he, in that last moment of his life, chose to acknowledge Christ. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So, even in these final moments of this thief, he chose to change his life. He chose to make Christ part of his life. So, no, you are not too far gone. No, your sin is not too much. No, you are not at a point in your life where you can't make that decision. If you're breathing, if you're living right now, you have a choice. And you can choose right now to follow Christ. You can choose to make that conscious decision in your life to say, I am done. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired of sin in my life. And you can choose right now to follow Christ in your life. A starting point can be how you live your daily life. At FBC, we live, we, oh, it's over here now. (laughs) It's been there for so long. We follow Worship, Connect, Grow, and Go. Okay? We worship God in our daily lifestyle. We connect with others and build that fellowship together and have that accountability. We grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ daily, and then we go engage the world and teach them how to do the same. So if you continue daily to wake up and say, I follow you, Christ, and I choose to follow you, you will keep him close. I'm not saying you're going to mess up, not going to mess up. You will. We all will. But if you use that as a momentum every day to say, I'm going to bring you close, then you're, going to, you're never going to be that far away. But it's up to you to make that decision. It's up to you to choose that in your life. The Lord wants to be with you, live with you, eat meals with you, fellowship together with you because He loves you. And the choice you have this morning to make is, will you allow that situation in your life to become more important than him? Just like Judas chose whatever he was thinking, along with money, to steer him away from God. Are you going to let your thing in your life move you away from God? And like I said, you can hide your sin. You can hide it from all of us. You can hide it from everybody else. You can hide it from your inner circle. But you can't hide it from God. Okay, God knows. So when you feel like, I don't want to say it because I'm too embarrassed, he already knows. It's like going to a parent when you're a kid, and you're like, I did something wrong. We're like, Ah, we know. I watched you do it. I'm just waiting for you to acknowledge the fact that you did it. So here's an opportunity, because Jesus wants a relationship with you. We're all in different places in our life. We're all different ages. We're all different everything and I don't know the situation that you're in but I know this concrete without a shadow of a doubt if you want to make that decision this morning whether you've followed Christ your whole life and you've just veered off track and you're like I'm a I'm a couple hundred miles away right now or you've never made that decision in your life and say that I'm done and I want to follow you I know that you can make that decision right now if you want. And I know that Jesus Christ will be there with loving arms open for you regardless of your sin because he loves you. Which is why he died on the cross for you. I'm going to ask you right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you would like to make that commitment in your life this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation at the end of this service. And it's quietly. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to do some fancy flips. It's just between you and God. If you have a situation in your life or you want to acknowledge Christ in your life, say that prayer. However, if you choose to make that, if you choose to pray that prayer this morning for yourself, I would love to talk to you after the service. I would love to hear about it. Me, Pastor Lee, would love to talk to you further. Let you know about next steps, what you could do, and how we can help you follow those steps. And I'll be up front at the end of service, in front of the sanctuary, to hear that from you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I admit right now that I am a sinner. I have done things in my life that do not please you. I have lived the life for my own desires. I'm sorry and I repent and ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you, Lord, take control of my life and put me on the correct path. I give my life to you. From this day forward, I choose to trust you and follow you and believe in you. And I choose to ask you to help me every day to live for you in a way that pleases you. Lord, I, today I choose to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.